Get informed, get inspired, and get connected. CannabisRadio.com presents NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. The National Cannabis Industry Association is the only national trade organization representing the businesses of the legal cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice covers a range of topics, including the rapidly evolving political and policy changes that affect our industry, news and events of importance to cannabis professionals, and features on companies, individuals, and campaigns at the cutting edge of the cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice begins now. Hello, thanks for joining us on another episode of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. I'm your host, Bethany Moore, and I'm the Communications Manager at the National Cannabis Industry Association. For more information about NCIA, visit www.thecannabisindustry.org. Today, I'm happy to introduce David Hua, who's the CEO and co-founder of Meadow, which is a software company built from the ground up for California cannabis. And it was why Combinator's first startup to operate in the cannabis space. Meadow's all-in-one platform allows dispensaries to sell products, manage menus and inventory, reward customers, dispatch delivery and pickup orders, and create exceptional in-store experiences for customers. Meadow's been headquartered in San Francisco since 2014. Hua has also collaborated with California's cannabis community and California regulators to draft, implement, and provide stakeholder feedback of medical and adult use regulations. He sits on the board of the California Cannabis Industry Association, the Cannabis Distribution Association, as well as NCIA's Retail Committee. You're a busy guy. Welcome to the show, Hua. Thank you very much. Pleasure to be here. Really appreciate the time. Absolutely. So uh, I love seeing you around at our conferences all the time, but for our listeners, uh, let's start by learning more about you and your background and what kinds of experiences you you had in other industries maybe before getting involved in this really fun, exciting cannabis movement and industry. Yeah, sure. You know, I'm going to miss seeing you at the fence too, and hopefully we'll gather soon. Um, agree. But yeah, we, at least for, for me, I've, uh, you know, my background's pretty eclectic. Uh, I grew up on the East Coast in outside Philadelphia in a suburb. Uh, smoking weed since high school. Uh, so it's been part of my life since, since then. I uh, went to, you know, honors college at Penn State, um, where, you know, it was more of a, a drinking school, but weed was there and helped serve me, <laughs> which was great. Um, you know, I found that, you know, I'm allergic to, to alcohol, so that really didn't work for me. But Yikes. weed really brought me to to just another level of, um, I don't know, uh, acceptance of, of things that are going on and perspective, which really helped me. Uh, after college, I went to work in New York on Wall Street uh, doing sales and trading and figured out that that wasn't really for me. And in 2007, moved out to San Francisco to co-found a gaming startup called Got Game. Um, we were basically building, you know, video game streaming and in-game chat before uh, Twitch and, and Discord and, and all of that. And uh, we failed gloriously, though, when we launched uh, the product during the, the downturn of 2008, 2009. 
I think we, we actually launched like one week before Sequoia put out their rest in peace, good times. Um, and we essentially launched it. It was doing great, but we couldn't raise money and the server costs were just going crazy. Uh, so we had to, to shut that down, unfortunately. Uh, so that was my first failure and, um, you know, one that I learned a lot from. And then from there, I ended up uh, playing poker and to make rent and uh, met a guy who introduced me to one of the founders of Health Central. And uh, I jumped on, um, well, it was, it was called Wellsphere that then was acquired by Health Central. But I was essentially in charge of all these different communities of bloggers talking about their own personal uh, conditions. Uh, anything from uh, chronic pain to stress to yoga to rheumatoid arthritis, you know, learned a lot. And I think now I'm looking back, I can see that cannabis can actually really address a lot of those things and illnesses and conditions my teams were, were writing about. And, you know, after uh, that startup was acquired, I went to work at Sincerely. We essentially built apps to further the mission of you know, a better and more thoughtful world. And that kind of gave me a really interesting perspective on just working with a, a nimble team and scaling out, um, you know, really delightful apps. And that's kind of where I met my founders, uh, my co-founders of what eventually was, was Meadow. And um, yeah, so we've been working here and there in a lot of different industries. And what was nice about Meadow kind of like brought everything together, at least sort of when you connect the dots backwards. Gotcha. Absolutely interesting background from Wall Street to gaming technology. And oof, I, I, I hear you about that 2008 launch date. Uh, the, the, the Great Recession impacted me personally as well as it did many people. Though That was a rough couple of years. <laughs> and uh, ho hopefully we'll see what we're going through right now not impact us as greatly for sure. We'll talk more about that in the next segment. Um, so you're mentioning Meadow. So cannabis has always been a part of your life, uh, just as an individual, as a consumer, and, and then moving into that health space, was that kind of the light bulb for you of combining technology and cannabis reform and cannabis industry emergence, or how did that happen? Yeah, it actually is quite interesting. It was um, 2014, and... Um, we were thinking about starting a, an edibles company. My wife is an edibles maker or a chef. And we're thinking, oh, maybe we should make edibles. Colorado was legalizing. We were still medical in California. I had my medical card. I actually ended up just enlisting in Oaksterdam and learned from, you know, people that have been fighting for, for cannabis, uh, as well as teaching like Debbie Goldsberry and Ed Rosenthal. And, you know, just, oh, yeah. it was, it was great. I, I learned a ton. Um, you know, from, from them. And what I realized was that there is just an underserved uh, community industry in terms of technology. And it was tough because back then, you know, you talk about tech, you talk about record keeping, it was more in the, the perspective of oh, that's evidence. You do not want to have that. That is, you know, we do everything by pen and paper here. So it really didn't um, resonate too well, but uh, one of my first dispensaries I ever went into was Vapor Room. Uh, I remember like going down the, the steps in Lower Haight and seeing just the innate woodwork and just this Willy Wonka of weed of all these different strains. And um, when we decided to start Meadow, uh, Vapor Room uh, had, had uh, shut down and essentially was working on delivery. 
And so he, they were our first partner. We were essentially saying, hey, what if we could help you bring more, uh, more customers and we could build you technology? And Martin Olive, uh, you know, the owner, was, was very receptive. And so he was our first partner. And then from there, we, we enlisted into YC as the first you know, cannabis company. And then, um, you know, then we were off to the races. And this was 2014, 2015. Wow. Gotcha. Yeah. And that was a pivotal time for our industry as adult use was rolling out in Colorado and, and Washington state, and then all the other states that followed suit. Absolutely. Okay. So 2020, your company has been running for about six. Uh, you've seen some things. Where's the company at now? And, and what's your day-to-day like at Meadow? Yeah, I mean, six years. Yeah, it's actually like six years on, on June 1st when we started, like the first line of code was written. Congrats. Uh, yeah, it's it's cool. It's, um, I don't know, it's startup years. That's like multiple startups. And then in cannabis years, I don't even know what that that translates to, but it's been a long time. About 100 years. <laughs> 100 years. Yeah, it's uh, it's crazy. I think um, to, to be at a point where this this industry, this community is now classified as essential. Um, and when we first started, it, you know, had, it had none of that support from a, a, a state and, and a government and local government perspective. Um, yeah, 2020, I think right now we're focusing on really how to give leverage to the dispensaries that we work with through technology. The, what's interesting is dispensaries have now gone through multiple buying cycles We've also gone through multiple models, especially in California. You know, we went from uh, Prop 215 to uh, Mc, uh, McMursa, Mursa, uh, Prop 64. Then we went through emergency regulations, one, two, three. Then we got, you know, we went through a lot. And um, Meadow's kind of been there every step of the way. So we spent a lot of time on the advocacy side, you know, with the different organizations we're with and, and working on. Uh, we spent a lot of time with our partners, talking to the, with them on what we could be doing to build them better technology. Uh, Meadows worked with hundreds of dispensaries across California. You know, we we spend a lot of time here, and we command a higher price point for our software because you know, we're way more thoughtful about tailoring it to, to not just the regulations, but also to the dispensary needs to help them really streamline their operations. And so, you know, that's kind of the most of the most of the time. Um, and you know, when we're, we're not doing that, we're working on community building. So how can we bring people together from different parts of the industry? How can we network? How can we create, um, a more sustainable industry for all of us? And, you know, I think for us, it's, it's been all about California You know, we haven't expanded to, to other States yet. Uh, but now that, you know, track and trace has fully been implemented we have a very robust system to handle a lot of the, the different points of, of commerce. Um, you know, we were happy to, to be looking, you know, potentially in other, other states. Great. Yeah, California's had a, a, a rough time for sure uh, with all those twists and turns and, and curveballs for sure. All right, let's take our first commercial break and then we'll be right back to chat more with David Hua of Meadow. Stay tuned. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. Elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling with the sweet taste of Shuggies. 
Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee. Ah, how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. Order your Shuggies now at s-h-o-o-g-i-e-s dot com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet, take-anywhere treat. Trends and technology, processes and products. We cover these areas and more on the cutting edge of cannabis. Be informed from the latest initiators of new innovation. Learn about the latest breakthroughs and best practices in the cannabis and hemp industries. Better products, better infrastructure, and better sustainability. The Cutting Edge of Cannabis, consulted by the American Cannabis Company. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. <laughs> they have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA-free and lead-free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, we're back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. I'm your host, Bethany Moore, with the National Cannabis Industry Association. And we're chatting with David Hua, who's the founder of Meadow. Um, As we mentioned before, the cannabis industry in California has had some ups and downs in that transition to adult use laws from Prop 64 and all the other uh, numbers and uh, acronyms that you mentioned before. And the COVID-19 crisis is no exception. Here in Colorado, as in California, we almost had legal cannabis shut down alongside bars and restaurants and everything else. Almost. The announcement was reversed in about three hours here in Colorado after everyone rushed to the dispensaries. So what did that look like in California and how did how did you as cannabis software providers react to that? Yeah, that that's we had this very similar outcome too. Um, you know, I think what was really interesting, you know, all those different letters and bills and things I talked about previously, it almost was like the perfect um, experience that we all were able to gain to prepare us for fighting for essential cannabis. Right. It was like basically San Francisco didn't have cannabis as essential. Uh, and because local pretty much is really important in terms of how they set the regulations before it goes to state, it was critical to win over San Francisco, even though, even though Alameda County already had it. Um, so, you know, I look at like these different trade organizations like CCIA, CDA, UCBA, NCIA, HCGA, uh, 
you know, all these different groups from all different parts of the supply chain rallied and started contacting board of supervisors, mayors, senators, uh, the governor's office, and to fight for, for essential cannabis. And I think what was interesting is we also prepared, you know, for us, we were actually sheltering in place two weeks before um, San Francisco and in California mandated it. So we actually had some capacity to look at best practices of what was happening in other industries. And we created a guide to help our dispensary partners navigate. And I think it's really interesting because we went through um, a huge uh, jump in sales because people were, were stock, stocking up, but then we shifted models. We went from a just retail-driven um, heavy uh, sales channel to, to more online curbside pickup delivery online ordering. And we saw like a 25% shift from, from retail to, to online. And then we saw dispensaries quickly adapt the, the guide that we created to implement safety measures to make sure their teams and their customers were, were, were solid and, and safe to, to come in. Um, yeah. So it was, it was definitely a team effort. And, you know, I, it was a, one of the most proud moments, I think, of, of California cannabis uh, community really stepping up and saying, no, no, this is essential and, you know, you need to, to make it so. And uh, thankfully, our relationships with legislators and regulators um, over the last, you know, six years have, have helped uh, bridge that gap. Absolutely. Uh, great foresight there and forward thinking with creating the guide for the industry for coronavirus. That's super smart and also underscores the importance of the cannabis industry having open lines of communication with legislators and regulators. Absolutely. Um, so great work there. And thankfully, cannabis is essential. and We do have legal cannabis in these states everywhere that's legal except Massachusetts, I guess. Um, but legal cannabis looks different right now, and it's going to continue to look different in the foreseeable future at this point. Um, we do have curbside pickup. That's great. Some places have delivery. We're working on that here in Colorado. Uh, the need for that's increasing. Social distancing at stores, obviously. Um, what, what else are you seeing in the future of the retail cannabis sales and experience? Yeah, I think that what's really interesting is a lot of uh, the acceleration in cannabis to, to online is, is happening across the board in other industries. Uh, what took six years were, were in terms of digital adoption is, is now accelerated into a couple months. And you know whether or not that continues um, you know, I'm pretty convinced it will. I'm not sure if it's going to be at the same velocity uh, as stores open back up. But I do think that, you know, all these different ways of getting access to, to cannabis should be, you know, should be kept. You know, curbside delivery uh, or curbside pickup delivery, you know, contact list delivery, all of those things that we advocated for, you know, should stay. I think the, from, a, from an education standpoint, though, you know, the, without the customer being able to talk to the bud tender, the, the education around products and what they should buy is, you know, is a little bit lost. So customers are going to be looking online to figure out what they should buy. And 
making sure that dispensaries are accessible to, to answer those questions or the brands themselves have the right information on their you know, online channels to, to, to communicate that. Um, I also think like what's changed is, you know, cannabis, one thing I love about it is all the events that we, we get to interact at and engage with. I think the community is, is really strong that way, but a lot of it has moved online. I mean, uh, the webinars, uh, the um, virtual conferences, all that sort of taken shape. And I think there's going to be pieces of this that we keep in that, way like helping bridge the gap and like being able to have sort of an on-demand presence once you record something they can go back and, and look at it um i don't know if like we're gonna be gathering in hotel rooms or conferences i think more outdoors is where we're going you know for instance like meadow we, we hosted an event an annual event called meadowlands and um it's in the redwoods of mendocino it's on like 200 acres uh we've done it for for two years now this will be our third so I want to go. Get, <laughs> yeah, you should come. <laughs> I want to. <laughs> it's going to be good. It's going to be the first week of October. And, you know, we've, we are going back to sort of uh, a 25% capacity of the 200 acre. And we're looking at distancing and creating open space for everyone to, you know, come back together. And I think that's the, that's kind of the model that we're, we're looking at in order to keep people, you know, safe and, you know, not to, uh, spread, you know, any types of infections. Yeah. Yeah. I think we need to rethink the, uh, the joint circles in our culture as well. Yeah. Um, I'm going to miss I, that. I, we really do. We got to go European. Like you have your own joint. I have my own joint. We got to get there. I, I, unfortunately, sorry. I think it's the truth. Yeah. <laughs> I was actually thinking about like lining up a table with just a ton of volcanoes and everyone has their own like bag and then they just, you know, load up when they want to. We're going to have to get creative here, but yeah. I mean, still we're going to move on here and, and quickly before our, our next commercial break um, to change gears a little bit, cannabis is essential, but it's federally illegal. So we initially did not get access to those small business loans in that COVID-19 financial relief and CIA kept working on it though. And then Ed Perlmutter and Earl Blumenauer introduced a bill specifically to include cannabis, which was, I think, more symbolic. So we ended up getting safe banking language in the second coronavirus relief bill, which has been approved in the House of Representatives as we're speaking right now. But it is sitting in the Senate where there's been complaints about seeing the word cannabis in the bill too many times, um, despite our industry creating a lot of jobs and tax revenues. <laughs> Isn't that ridiculous? Yeah, I, I do think so. Um but I think like, I don't know, I've seen cannabis legislation at least um, or the adoption of it even move faster than we have previously. Like, you know, if we, if we look at the Great Depression, I think that actually accelerated the repeal of prohibition because it offered jobs and taxes. And I think this pandemic, we can accelerate cannabis legalization. And the fact that like that, that bill went through and thank you, you know, CCIA for NCIA for pushing that. We also had a, uh, another letter followed up with 34 attorney generals saying that, you know, they should move forward. So, you know, we're, I think this is inevitable, although we didn't get access to it, we're still operating. And, you know, unfortunately the cannabis industry has always operated on handicaps, mm -hmm. uh, whether access to banking, high taxes, the illicit market, 
you name it, we, we kind of have are going through it. Um, but as each one of these is, is lifted, we continue to fight. It'll get easier and better for, for us. And hopefully it'll create more jobs. It'll create more, you know, I, I also look at it like cannabis is like benefits the entire ecosystem, right? You add cannabis to your, your state. Now you have a drop in opioid overdoses. Now you have properties that are uh, getting renovated. You have, you know, plumbers coming in, electricians, you have real estate agents, you have people buying packaging. It like is this entire ecosystem that can create more um, wealth and economic prosperity for everyone. And I think cannabis is going to be one of those things that help us get through, you know, so these hard times coming up. Absolutely. Yep. It was nice to see the industry coming together and rowing in the same direction. All right. We're going to take our last commercial break and then we'll be right back to wrap up our chat with David Hua of Meadow. Please stay tuned. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. Candid. Captivating. Compelling. Welcome to Cannabis Confidential with Dr. Dina. Welcome Try to Cannabis Conf. Oh, you got me again. All right. You got me again. Welcome to Cannabis okay. Confidential. Ah! Hey, we did it. We did it. Welcome. I have the coolest guest today. You guys already know. The one and only Tommy Chong. CannabisRadio.com proudly presents Cannabis Confidential. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now About a game for your phone gonna make you say wow The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash Little by little your empire grows large Put the big celebrities inside your entourage You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Chichin Chong Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong The name of the game is Hemping, that's the point Download and play while you light yourself a joint the business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh, yeah. Get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. Doc Rob, the concierge for better living. Cannabis is just one of the many great plants that we have on this planet called Earth that we can use consciously and intelligently to improve our well-being. Take a real, raw, inside look at healthier living while sharing great ideas and improvements for a better quality of life. Learning to live and live well is a lifelong process. This is a journey. It could be you could be 80 years old or 8 years old. You can still learn something that's going to make tomorrow a little bit healthier, a little bit easier, a little bit happier, a little bit better. The Concierge for Better Living with Doc Rob. Only on CannabisRadio.com. Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, we're back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. I'm your host, Bethany Moore, and we've been chatting with David Hua of Meadow a lot about how California has been adapting to the COVID-19 crisis and our attempts and movement uh, to get relief for 
the essential cannabis industry. So that, that's very much, you know, what we're swimming in right now in this dumpster fire that is the year 2020. Um, but it's kind of nice to think about the future and to think about the past. And this year also happens to be NCIA's 10-year anniversary as an, as an organization representing cannabis, which is also wild when we talk about those dog years and startup years. Um, <laughs> So insane how dense these years are. Seriously. Uh, yeah, a lot has happened. I think I, I, I've been with NCIA for six years. I was hired in January of 2014, and I think I was employee number five. Uh, wow. So just in our own organization, uh, we've seen the growth of members, of course, but also staff and benefits and programs and offerings and all these great webinars we're doing now that we have to postpone our in-person conferences and events, which I'll talk about in a minute. But I'd like to ask you to reflect back into the past 10 years ago and if you could have predicted the cannabis industry would look the way it did, particularly during a global crisis that cannabis is essential. And also maybe if you could look into your crystal ball and tell me what you see for our industry 10 years into the future in 2030. A lot to think about. What do Whoa. you think? Yeah. yeah Whoa. Okay. Um, Time travel. Let's see. 2010, I was working at, at Wallsphere and, and Health Central. I was also managing a band uh, in, out of Philadelphia called Downtown Harvest. Um, yeah, I don't, I mean, I was still I was still smoking, you know, cannabis, and you know, when I look on it, some of my best memories and relationships I've ever had and continue to have are with people I've smoked cannabis with and, and hang out with. Um, but it's it was still kind of like under the radar, like it, we couldn't do it publicly. We're usually in a van in the back or some, you know, down the an alley somewhere. And now I feel like here we can do it and proudly do it. And, you know, there's no, no shame in it. Um, if anything, it's like you're smoking a joint or then someone smells it, you come over, you can share it, but you know, with pandemic, maybe that won't happen. You have an extra joint you can give somebody. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think we've come a long way, but in a lot of ways we've also like retracted. Like if you look at the world of prop 215, there was a lot of great things, um, that, that we had there. Um, the efficient supply chain, it was really more open. The smaller operators did, you know, did better in my mind. They didn't have such extraordinary costs. Uh, and I think like now when we look at the next 10 years, it's going to be really important. The decisions we make, the laws that we make, the regulations that we make to figure out what we would like to see. And, you know, I love to see a fully regulated cannabis market that's global. Right. Um, I'd love to see California cannabis appellations be as well known as champagne and our small family craft farmers just thriving because people want that OG from uh, Humboldt in, in Tokyo. Yeah. Um, right. Like I could totally see that. And I, I could also smoking like, you know, weed from Tokyo. I like, I bet they'll do some crazy stuff there. Um, I'd love to try it. <laughs> yeah. Right. I, I don't think there'll be anyone in jail for cannabis. I think that like the war on drugs is over and 
you know, all of the, the overhead that we have and putting people in jail and all that like goes away. I mean, we're already seeing decriminalization. I think it was yesterday or today, Virginia signed it finally. Yeah. So I think like we should see a global um, perspective in, in that. And I think like, ideally, I'd love to see a more diverse industry, like people of all colors, like to have a real seat at the table. Like the people yeah. that were affected from the war on drugs should be thriving with their own businesses and, and what they're doing in, in this open marketplace, not just, you know, a handful of operators that run the entire market. Um, yep. I also think people like proudly identify themselves as cannabis consumers. And I could see like the technology even ramping up further. Like we only have a handful of cannabinoids that were pretty active and there's going to be hundreds and I think different ratios and different terpenes and how you consume it. Like you're going to want to dial in a specific feeling and you're going to be able to get that, you know, that going. I think for Meadow, like we'd love to build, continue to build the best software for the cannabis industry and empower that uh, not just in California, but you know, globally and, and connect the dots there. So, you know, we're looking at it from a very long-term view and it's, it's what's going to need to be happen in order to, you know, to fully realize the potential of cannabis. And I think like you're going to see opening up of plant medicine. Um, it's not yeah. just going to be cannabis. It's going to be, you know, mushrooms and all the other things that are coming down the pipeline uh, to help with, you know, what we're going through, which is yeah. like better. Use the help. <laughs> yeah. Right. It just, it's, it, it's crazy. The, the last 10 years, we've had a lot of pharmaceuticals and it's not done that well for us. So, you know, let's go with plant medicine and see how that goes in a different direction. 100%. I love your perspective on 10 years into the future. Absolutely. Um, we've run out of time, but I want to make a quick announcement to check NCIA's website for so many things, including a special COVID-19 resource and information page for the cannabis industry, uh, webinars, a special series called Industry Essentials. I encourage everyone to register for and plenty of other resources, podcasts, videos, everything in between. And our lobby days and Cannabis Business Summit and Expo have been postponed until September. So check those dates and start making plans. David, thanks again for being on the show with me today. Where can people find out more about Meadow? Sure. Uh, you're very welcome. You can find us at getmeadow.com or Twitter or Instagram, Facebook. We're, we're all around. Um, yeah. We're find us on Sweet. Meadow. Maybe I'll see you at Meadowland in October as well. I'm crossing my fingers. It's going to be great. We're, we're putting, you know, since Burning Man is canceled this year, we are, I'm putting all my energy into making that as magical as possible. Love it. All right. Well, thanks everyone for tuning in to another episode of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. Until next time. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.